Welcome to the Sticky Bits of Parenting, a babyology podcast. I'm Rebecca Huntley. In 2011, the American Academy of Paediatrics released a new policy on screen time and children. It recommends that children under two avoid screen time altogether. Creative, unstructured play is much better for their social and language development. For preschoolers, the Academy recommends only an hour a day of screen time. Australian recommendations in relation to screen time have followed suit. This is bad news for me as a mother. My eight-year-old played around with my iPhone a lot when she was a toddler, mainly taking kind of avant-garde photos of her feet and blurry images of her toys. My twin toddlers are obsessed with the three iPads we have in the house, along with my phone, but I expect that's because the rest of the house is equally obsessed. They have been totally uninterested in the TV until recently, and so they'll watch Play School or a Pixar film for a while. But I worry about them. I worry about them and my eight-year-old. So are these devices going to cause brain cancer? Uh, Do they have a problem with screens? Do I have a problem with screens? Putting aside my worries as a parent and thinking as a social researcher, I tell myself there's no conclusive evidence devices cause brain cancer. And it may well be too soon to say that the kinds of interactive technology, like the iPad, is a real problem for kids. Research on kids and screen time that underpin a lot of these recommendations aren't really that good at distinguishing between the kinds of screen time kids might be involved in. What about the great creative learning games for kids these days? I asked Helen Street, an applied social psychologist with an interest in mental health, these very questions. Helen is the co-founder of Positive Schools. It's a program that works with educators in the school setting to support children's social and mental health. What do we know about the impact of interactive devices on young children, given they haven't been around for a long time? They certainly are very new, so we still have a lot to find out in terms of the long-term impact of using technology. And it's also very true what you say, that, that you know you can use them for a whole range of different things. So certainly not all apps are equal or not all ways of using technology or rather technology is a tool and as such it's about being mindful in terms of how you're using that so if if a child I mean something like Minecraft I actually think requires quite a lot of imagination and creativity to play Um, and that's one of its sort of addictive properties and that's very different to sitting passively watching TV or YouTube clips on an iPad so there definitely are variations but ultimately um, we do have quite sort of um, good guidelines now for screen time with young people and we really wouldn't want to see anyone under two on any sort of screen whatsoever Um, and when you get sort of to be a sort of a young child um, an an hour a day is, is plenty. Psychologist Anna Cohen agrees that the guidelines about screen time need to be followed by parents given the importance of play and fostering interpersonal relationships. We're seeing kids being quite isolated in families. So um, kids are often using technology and it's, 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 and I get it, you know, as a parent, you know, you might be busy cooking dinner and trying to have another child in the bath and it's easy to hand a mobile phone or a device to a child to just keep them busy and amused. But what we do is we stop them being able to use their unstructured time well. And if a child can read, and I know we're talking about under fives, then there's so much you can do um, in terms of giving them things to do that's not a device. If a child under five can't read, 
there's, again, a lot of things that we can do to support them without just using technology. So we can hook them in. Um, and it might be hook them in with a talking story. So we put a talking story on and, the, and sit with them for a little while and get them started on listening to the talking story and then go off and deal with the other child or get dinner underway and come back in and check in with them. Often what's really critical for our preschoolers as for older children is about relationship. And so if a child's always I'm bored or addicted to technology, and technology is addictive, so it, it, it's, it leads to the brain um, secreting certain hormones which are addictive and it's um, the more we get of technology, the more we want of technology. So if we can hook a child in with a talking story or play games or get them to be a part of what we're doing, we're then not needing to give them the technology. I asked Dr Cohen... Given the guidelines of no screen time for under twos and one hour a day for preschoolers, how realistic is that given what the average parent has to deal with in a day? And the research doesn't seem to take into account the kind of screen time involved. So watching a cartoon is the same as a game on the iPad building literacy and numeracy skills. Different research will say different things, okay? Um, The research that we often draw upon would say no more than two hours of screen time for children over two, and we'd say no no tech or screen time under two. That said, there's some really great things out there for children to access. So um, thinking about, again, my own children with a child that's under two, I might sit and watch play school with them because there's some great stuff on that. Um, but I'm not going to just put them in front of the television. But yet the research says no technology for children under two. So again, parents have to be really careful with how they interpret that literature. Associate Professor Catherine Lumby from Macquarie University disagrees with the approach psychologists take to screen time. She argues that anxieties about kids being corrupted by the media are as old as the media itself. Novels, comic books, movies, TV videos, magazines, video games, now the internet and our portable devices, the arguments for limitation and control over the decades have been remarkably similar. Anxieties around technology um, are bound up with this anxiety around the special role of parents and this idea that children are these very fragile beings that, um, you know, not only can you break them physically, but emotionally and intellectually you can do all sorts of horrendous damage uh, really young, by you know, simple mistakes like letting them look, look at an iPad for too long. What's more, Catherine argues that media literacy skills are now so vital for our kids to have, not only at school but in the workplace, that kind of cutting off media for them might be actually cutting off real opportunities to learn. She said to me, you'd be a terrible parent if you just gave your kid books, paper and a pen. She has noticed parents getting worked up about the media use of their kids and questions how useful that is, either for the parents or the kids. Again and again, heard parents beating themselves up about digital media because of of stories in the media, ironically, which are meant to make them panic. Um, And, you know, I look at my kids. I mean, it's only a sample of two. They are voracious readers. Charlie's fascinated with ancient history. Well, he didn't get that off YouTube, but, you know, at the same time, we still love laughing at, at, um, at you know, political satire on the TV. Um, you know, I'm an academic. I can read philosophy, but I can also love Sharknado. So, you know, we've, we've got to realise that our children's lives are, mo- um, 
they will have multiple lives going on at the one time and that um, TV is not something that comes and steals your brain. Catherine is contemptuous of the kinds of recommendations about technology use commonly given by psychologists and their organisations, mainly because they characterise the media as if it was an inherently harmful substance. Well, the first thing, Rebecca, that's really important to to understand here is that you've got a medical scientific model. You talked about paediatrics, for instance. So the sort of people who say those very didactic things about... um, children's time in front of screens, almost always people who come out of the medical sciences or psychology. And they're people who are trained to see things in a disease model. So they, you know, they're people who often see the media as a kind of foreign body that intrudes into our world um, and that has to be kept at bay. Now, people like me who work in, in the humanities, in media studies... Um, were people who who don't come from a perspective of um, anxiety about a disease, I suppose, when we look at media. We see it as part of the world. And also, a lot of our research is not about what media is doing to people. It's about what are people doing with media, including children. And one of the interesting things is about, you know, when you talk about children under two, is you can't ask them. You can observe them, but you can't ask them why do you like that funny, smiley, laughy baby face in the sun on Teletubbies? You know, maybe it reminds them of another baby they've seen. Maybe they've looked at themselves in the mirror. Um, you know, one of the things we know about Teletubbies, for instance, is that um, childhood educators have put that program together. And when you think about it, a lot of the things in that program which look weird to adults, you know, these strange, round-faced um, Teletubbies in bright colours and the sort of strange little pod they live in, a lot of that probably does remind um, babies and and toddlers of, of their own worlds. Catherine makes the interesting point that the way you approach an issue, the disciplinary framework, is pretty important here. Of course, a media studies professional will see the media differently than a psychologist or a paediatrician. That's why I wanted to talk to Dr Mario Fiorini, an economist from UTS, about his work on the effect of home computer use on the mental and social skills of kids. He took a number-crunching approach to technology use and found no evidence that media consumption was something to worry about too much. It doesn't seem to be that harmful. Uh, We look into this, and particularly we did a study where where there was a time uh, use diary where parents were asked to basically indicate how the time of the child had been allocated between different activities covering the 24 hours. And so there were several categories. We reduced them to nine, and uh, one of them was media. And then basically, and other time could be time with parents in educational activities, like the parent is reading a book with a child. Another time activity could be before or after school care. And the idea was like to see is the quantity of time allocated in, into these different activities doesn't matter for the development of the child. And what we found out for cognitive skills was that uh, time using the most, pro- the best thing was time with parents in educational activities. Media didn't seem to be very bad. For instance, it wasn't any worse the time spent in before or after school care. 
So what Mario has found is that while time with parents in educational activities was the most positive for a child's cognitive skills, time spent on media didn't have a negative effect, so it was no better or worse than, let's say, having them in after-school care. Interestingly, for non-cognitive skills, so those all-important social and emotional skills we need to have to thrive in the world, Mario's research found there wasn't much difference in terms of how the child's time was allocated, so whether they were hanging around with other kids or on the iPad. We couldn't find any evidence that the way the children's time was allocated was important. It seemed that it, there wasn't, it didn't make much difference. What seemed to make a difference was the parenting style. So according to Mario, our approach to parenting, so whether we're permissive, authoritarian or whatever, matters more than how a child spends their day, although I assume that one can shape and determine the other. Mario acknowledges that the research to date hasn't been great at taking into account the kind of screen time kids are involved in. That, he says, is the new frontier, moving from understanding quantity to quality. I don't know about you, but I find screen time for my twin two-year-olds is a great way to keep them relaxed and focused on something other than fighting over toys while I indulge in luxuries like having a shower, going to the toilet and making dinner, all of which amounts to more than an hour a day. Given I'm the one looking after them more than my husband, if I limited screen time to only one hour, I think it would make my life a lot harder. What's best for the family in this case, having a hygienic mother making a nice, healthy meal, doesn't always work with these guidelines. Catherine Lumby agrees that screen time guidelines don't always take into account the different caring work mothers and fathers do. There's always been this thing said about, really, since the advent of television, that, that TV is the electronic babysitter. Um, and, you know, that, that's, that is really a moral judgment placed on women. Um, What's more, I think, you know, parents can be better parents if they actually do have a bit of time to themselves. You know, if you're not constantly having to hover over your child, the quality of your interaction with the child will be healthier and happier. Nick Hopwood from the Centre of Research in Learning and Change at UTS agrees, and he spends his time understanding how parents with young children can best develop resilience to handle the challenges of parenthood. He says that parents who are struggling with either unsettled or unhappy babies and toddlers sometimes forget their own needs because they are so focused on the child. It's an important thing that comes up regularly um, is about um, parents' needs not being always secondary to their children's needs. It's often children that get parents through the door to these services. Parents will do almost anything for their children. Um, and often what the part of what the solution is, if you like, is... Letting parents see that their needs are legitimate too. What concerns me about some of the recommendations for screen time is they focus entirely on the child rather than the broader context in which the child lives. I find those kind of figures and those recommendations uh, very interesting. And maybe it's partly because of my job as a social scientist always to sort of be very cautious about these kinds of things. Um, some of them may be based on uh, very kind of holistic and inclusive research that would would suggest that uh, you know t- try to take into account what parents' needs may be. Um, boiling it down to a kind of a single figure like that is um, probably in a very well motivated way trying to present a reasonable 
kind of an achievable figure. Like when they say of high fruit and veggie day, if they said have 50, nobody would even attempt it because it's impossible. Um, versus something which, based on the evidence, they think is likely to over, overall work well. Um, so that will might be a very valid um, statement to make about children in general. But it's not a statement about your child. And that's the thing, that we sometimes get tempted to put a burden on evidence and recommendations that are based on evidence that it can't actually bear. None of this is an argument for giving your three-year-old an internet-connected iPad and sending them on their way. In our home, when we do make an effort as a family to turn away from screens, we always come up with great things to do. So we're cooking, we're drawing, dance competitions to the sounds of Tina Turner. But I do want more research that distinguishes between the kinds of screen time children of different ages might access and what the benefits and downsides of them might be. And I want professional advice to take into account the realities of the whole family. I want parents, myself included, not to fret too much if my kids get an hour and a half of screen time some days, if it means other things get done that need to be done. That being said, I should probably lead by example and put my own iPhone down more often. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Sticky Bits of Parenting, a podcast for babyology. The next episode will look at what is the best age to start school. 